Coming up this week on S4C, we've got more Friday night football for you. Had a little beauty last week. Cardiff met comfortably dispatching Aberystwyth. And we are going again. Llanechi against Barrytown. A couple of the South Wales teams, a couple of the big boys. Clubs that have won this Welsh Premier League title in their, in their time. Better times probably for the clubs, but they're back. Been through a little bit of turmoil. Barry have had the year back in the in the Welsh Premier League. Kaneki first time back, and I've got to be honest, I had them down as relegation certainties. My God, did they prove me long wrong last week? Just with the results, only one win, but after losing by seven to Koneski, they've come back and beaten Kevin Druid after being two 0 down away from home. Good God, they must have something about them. So hopefully, it's going to be a good one. But. Uh, Barry obviously had a good result against Bala as well, reacted well to a, to a defeat on the opening day of the season. This league is wide open, so tune in with myself, with Malcolm Allen, with Nick Parry, Dylan Ebenezer, Nicky John, all of the crew. Join us Friday night on S4C 7.30. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen about his seven caps his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot, but in the long run, your blues will be long gone with the long man and the long man. Hello, welcome back to the Longman's Football World Podcast with myself, Owen Tidir Jones. Coming up this week, we've got one of the finest sports and football reporters in all the land, Mr. Bryn Law. Met up with Bryn in his parents' house, quiet little conservatory, a couple of hours before we, we set off for a little charity game, playing for Wrexham Legends, God knows how I made it into that team anyway, Bryn being a huge Wrexham supporter, uh, so it was a pleasure to sit down with him, get his thoughts on his football world, his his football pathway, if you like, to working with Sky Sports amongst other companies um, a good few years ago now, and uh, he's certainly one of the one of the most popular figures out there. Uh, so good to get to know Bryn a little bit more. Um, you know what he likes to do privately. We get into. Uh, the passing of, of his friend, Gary Speed. I know it's a story well told on this podcast, uh, which is only natural, I guess. It comes up in conversations with um, whether it's guys who have been involved in the in, in the squad and the Gary and Bryn, uh, Oshan, of course, Oshan Roberts as, as part of the, the coaching staff and being a friend to Gary Speed and, and, and Bryn being, being a good friend for many years. So I know it's been told before from different angles, but... You know, I guess it's important and, and, and it just comes up. So hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation. I certainly did, as I do with all of them. Uh, this is Mr. Brinlaw. Enjoy. Mr. Brinlaw. Hi. Quite possibly the, uh, the most famous sports reporter Wasn't in all really. the land. Oh, don't they? <laughs> Which land is that? We're in Llangollen at the moment. Maybe maybe the most famous sports reporter in Llangollen. <laughs> You'll take that, though. I'll yeah. take that. Yeah, it's the start, isn't it? So is this the this is the family home? Is this is where you're born. It is at? now. No, this isn't where I was brought up. Uh, we moved. My parents moved to Llangollen from Rhiwabon, just down the road, six miles away. So that's where I. Well, I was born in Liverpool, but we moved when I was 
um, eight or nine to north to Ruaban. So I grew up just down the road from here, basically. Yeah. Mm, nice. So it's my patch, it's my manor, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Llangollen's a little bit more picturesque than Ruaban is. Just a little bit. Yeah. I don't know much bit, about Ruaban. Well, you used to drive through it until they built a bypass round it. Now people don't even don't, don't even drive through it, but. Uh, yeah, Ruavans, Ruavans uh, is where Mark Hughes is from. Mark went to the same school as I did a couple, a couple of years ahead of me because he's a little bit older, got to point out. But Mark went to the same school. Must be something in the water there with the colour of your hair, mate. <laughs> it has been said. Did, I've got another big did I go there as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you must have, you must have uh, at least passed through. <laughs> I've got another pal who lives in Leeds who's also from Ruavan and he's got exactly the same uh, barnet as I. He's got the same style as I've got. Really? Go with the full white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there must be something in the water there. So we're meeting up, Bryn. Uh, we, we've got a little charity game this afternoon, haven't we? We have, yeah. A little bit of a run out uh, for something called the Wrexham Legends. I don't know how either of us qualify for I that, to be no honest idea. with you. Obviously, <laughs> no clue. But I enjoy, I still, I'm still playing. Um, I was 49 a few weeks ago, but I'm still playing because I play for a Vets team in, uh, in Leeds, where I'm based now. And I really enjoy, I really enjoy playing. I enjoy playing more now, probably than I I ever ever did. Why Why do you think? Because it's, it, it, well, time is short, so you're kind of counting off the years and thinking I've got I, I want to keep playing, so I've got to keep playing. So every game's a, a bonus on that. Any game let someone lets me have is a bonus on that basis. But also, I find it a complete um, escape. Now it's a complete escapism now. Yeah. That you go and play a game and for. I think we play 80 minutes in the Vets football, but in this instance, it'll be 90 minutes. If you're playing a game, your total focus is on on the game that you're playing. And then you've got the bit that all you lads always talk about as well, you know, the, the bit before in the dressing room, the bit after in the dressing room, the banter, um, an overused phrase now, but the banter, the, the camaraderie, the, the sort of spirit and, and all that bit. I really enjoy all that. So it's just a way for you to, you know, you're talking about that release, the, the pressures of life, if you like. I don't know the stresses and yeah. of your job, of your life, but it is a, something to take. Well, when you play a game, you see, it's the opposite for me that it would have been for you, I guess. When you were playing as a pro, that's your job. That so the, the stress pressure. the stress is the 90 minutes. Mm. For me, the escape is the 90 minutes if I'm playing a game, because all I'm focusing on is is I've just got to make sure the next pass isn't, isn't rubbish. Yeah. Uh, and I want us to win, and uh, even that—it's yeah, not the be-all and the end-all anymore. But um, yeah, it's—it it is. It's you find at the end. I suddenly think at the end of a game, God, that was—it's just that not thinking about all the other stuff. Literally, just thinking about what's ahead of you. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, you're talking about that there—the the pressures of playing football and, and being on the pitch. Probably the, well, the preparation for the game would be the worst part for me. Yeah. So we've got a, a game in what? We're talking three hours now. Usually, you know, a professional game, my stomach could be turning. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a good few visits to the toilet. I'm not, I, I get that with the vets. You get that now, yeah? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Obviously, it's less for me now. It's less of the pressure. And I had my issues with injuries that, that meant that I couldn't quite enjoy, I could never quite feel, or very not very often, feel comfortable so in my at the back of your mind absolutely yeah. that that was a huge concern which obviously you don't talk about at the time yeah. you don't go to anybody that's a weakness of course it is yeah so you have to act you know smile on your face act normal in the dressing room but deep down and do you know what i think these days a lot more people are open about it yeah you know i i, I read a pair murtasaka article maybe last year or the yeah. year before real good insight and and something that you can really Put yourself in his frame of mind. I've been there, you know. I think players are more open now, aren't they? I would hope so because we've seen the results of what you know, the, the awful results of what can happen if people don't, you know, let people get some sort of insight into what's going on in their head. I mean, I was watching uh, yesterday. Motherwell FC have just put out something yesterday with a number of the players involved in it. A little thing that they've, I think, they put it on their website. It's it, you know, it's a warm young guys against the, the dangers of getting themselves into a bad place where they end up committing suicide. It's that stark. Yeah. And the message is that is that stark as well. But it is very, very good that the players have, are, are happy enough to get involved in something like that. Because 10 years ago, when I was dealing with players, 15 years ago when I was dealing with players, they'd have been extremely nervous about getting involved with anything like that because it would have been out of their comfort zone, not something that they really felt happy with getting involved with one or two maybe yeah i'll give you an example 
after Gary took his own life, uh, the next game, the Costa Rica game, I was working on for Sky, and it was obviously a Sky game. And I said to the producer, they wanted Sky wanted to do a big tribute as the as the opening half an hour or more of the program, um, as you would imagine. And I said to the producer, well, I, t I said it's going to be quite difficult this to broach this with the players because I don't know where they're at with it all. So I said, my suggestion was, I said, we'll go to the team hotel, we'll set up the camera in the room, and I'll be in the room, and we'll we'll just put the word out to the squad that anybody who wants to come and sit in and say something, anything, mm. is welcome to do so. But I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to request, normally we'd request an interview with somebody ahead of a game. But in this instance, I said, I don't think we should request anybody because it's, it's going to be a difficult thing to do. So we put the word out and we sat and waited in the hotel. You know, they knew when we, what time we were getting there. And it was, it was a question of whether anybody wanted to come in. And some, a few did. Some didn't, some did. But those who did, you know, spoke um, very movingly. Uh, it was difficult for one or two. But they'd made, the, they'd made the choice to come in and do it. Almost like, a, almost like a sense of therapy for them, if you like. Maybe for some, maybe others weren't at that point you know some of them some of the lads in that squad probably maybe never talked I've never talked about it still to be honest well it's 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 a subject Bryn I was going to bring up because I know uh, how close you are, you were with Gary uh, it's something that I've spoke to to guys who have been on the podcast um Oshan Neil Taylor Chris yeah. Gunter just Simon Church another one almost like a an an insight into their perspective of of that time I know you will have spoke about that time but being so close to Gary it's it's obviously going to be seen as the the worst period in your in your life I guess or one of in the professional yeah. professional life yeah definitely you never I mean I, I came into the job because I wanted I was a, as a young lad I thought I'm not very good at football what's the next best thing talk about football so I'll go and talk about football and I wanted to be a commentator from very very early on probably nine years old I decided that's what I wanted to do so I had a clear idea and I pursued it and I had a focus and I kind of, I made it, I got there. But the whole reason for doing it all, frankly, was the opportunity where somebody pays you to go and watch, pays me to go and watch football, which I'd always done anyway. Yeah. So you think, wow, somebody pays you to go and watch football, fantastic. Um, so you, I, I came into the job purely because I wanted to watch football and that's st still the case now. What I didn't anticipate in coming into the job uh, and before I moved to Sky, I'd done a lot of commentating because I was commentating on Leeds United for the BBC in Leeds. So that was the main part of my job, really, was commentating. And then I came back, I came to Sky to join a, a new channel called Sky Sports News when it was starting up. And now I was a reporter rather than primarily a commentator. And in that guise, which effectively I suppose I'm still in that guise now, in that guise, I've suddenly found myself doing things that I never anticipated as a football reporter, yeah. in inverted commas, that I would ever find myself doing. So uh, I found myself being like a financial correspondent through all the period where Leeds United were in financial turmoil and I was standing outside the ground every day reporting on the fact that they were about to go bust or there were new owners and you know, there was a new takeover in the offing. And, and to touch on that, Brim, was that... Was that your world? Were you? Did you know about that? No, not that at world? all. Did you have to do research? Not at all. I had to. I kind of picked it up as I went along, but I had to learn it. Okay. Uh, you know, and to to you know, I came to report. I, I want to talk about football. <laughs> that's what I want. You know, that's what I came to do in the job. Even talking about football wasn't really what I wanted to do. I just wanted to watch football. But I, re I realized that talking about it was a side, you know, side project to that. But no, I had to learn the financial stuff. So that was the, you know that that took up a lot. I did a lot of stuff on that. That was that was quite heavy duty. Then I found myself in um, Istanbul on the night that two Leeds United fans got murdered, and that, uh, and then I was reporting on it the whole of the following day because we we're out there to cover a game, obviously. And at that point, that was like, well, I, you, know, you would never have anticipated being involved in anything like that. Suddenly, I, it was like I was a crime. Effectively, I was a crime correspondent then, if you like. And you find yourself dealing with the um, Keith Graves, who was the Middle East correspondent, was flown in from Cyprus to, to pick up the coverage of that story by Sky News. Yeah. And when you're interacting with Keith Graves, who I'd watched doing stuff from you know Israel and, and, and you know, all that sort of stuff, the real heavy duty uh, reporting, and you're working alongside him, you think, well, how did this happen? 
and that was because of the, of the that that sort of terrible incident with the, the two Leeds guys. And then after that, the next one was Gary. After that, where you think, how did I end up standing outside of Ellen Road talking about the death of a guy who had been in touch with on Saturday afternoon? Mm. And it wasn't just the death. Um, you know, if Gary had collapsed with a heart attack, or if Gary had been in a car crash, or whatever, then it would have been dreadful. But it would have been almost like an act of nature, if you like, or you know, you you could you could give some sort of semblance of uh, you could explain it to some degree. But in the instance, in the in the in the circumstances, it was inexplicable, and it remains inexplicable, frankly. So I was doing, you know. That was so far removed from why I came into the job at that yeah. point. It was, it was untrue. I, and your personal relationship with Gary, you remained in touch. You you, you got to know each other when when he was at Leeds. Yes. So when when I started at um, at Radio Leeds, which was in I think it was in nineteen ninety two, just after the, it was directly after they just won the championship. Gary had broken into the first team by that point. I was from North Wales. He was from North Wales. I was a Wales fan. I'd already been a, a travelling Wales fan by that point, so I'd done a few away games. So I'd gravitate naturally towards Gary because it was it was a chance for me. I, you know, as a fan, it was a chance for me to say, "Oh, hi, Gary. Yeah, yeah I'm from North Wales too." And we were the same age. Uh, I didn't, wasn't aware of it at the time, but we were, you know, very close in, very close, same same age. So yeah, it was a good chance to get. And the good thing with Gary was that he was quite. Some players would have just gone, who's this idiot? And kind of kept me at arm's length. But Gary was not like that at all. He I mean, slaughtered it, he just hit it well. <laughs> well, he probably did, to be fair. But he's one of those, I mean, there's always a thing, when you're a reporter, one of the big challenges always used to be, I don't, it's not really quite the same now because you can access players in all sorts of different ways now. But the big challenge used to be to get players' numbers because, okay. you know, if you've got a player's number, um, and this was the just right, right on the advent of mobile phones, um, if you got a player's number, you had a direct line to somebody. You know, managers' numbers were were were, were gold dust. Basically, you wanted the contacts because then you could, you, you did literally have a thing called a contacts book where you put all the people that you knew in. So home phone numbers, obviously. Home phone numbers was what you wanted because that gave you the chance to bypass, you know, any any um, press office that might be there or go direct to source and and sometimes to set things up or just to check on stuff. And Gary gave me his number. Um, you know, quite early on, and so he was always as well. There's another thing when you're a reporter that when teams lose, it's always much more difficult. Generally, much more difficult to get interviews. Or it was at this time because none of this stuff now is part of the contract that somebody's got to be put up to do an interview. It's literally that in the Premier League, if a player doesn't arrive when asked for him, the club gets fined now. Yeah. But it wasn't like that at all, and you had no help. So you always had go-to players. And Gary, you know, in the event of a bad result, and uh, Gary was one of them, and so it, you knew that if if Leeds had lost, Gary would probably still do me an interview. Yeah. So it'd be like, Gaz, any chance? And he'd be always the one to go. Oh yeah, come on then, mate. You know. So um, and when he after he left Leeds, um, we we sort of lost a bit of contact. Cause I didn't see so much of him or hear from him so much at that point. But I got to know his dad, Roger, at the same time as well. So I'd hear from Roger, Roger would give me a ring from time to time, and then I bumped into him on Wales trips as well. I bumped into Roger at the airport on the way out to Helsinki, for instance, and we ended up going for a drink that night in, in Helsinki. Um, uh, so the contact was maintained, even through through, Rod, through Roger, Gary's dad, and then he uh, started doing stuff for Sky later on in his career when he started doing the Wales games as a studio guest. So we, I, I was working on them as well. So. Uh, that was really good, you know. That we do a game in Cardiff, and then we'd go for a, a few drinks afterwards and stuff. So that was good. And then he moved to Sheffield United, which was one of my teams. So I was covering them anyway. And then he became manager of Sheffield United. So we were in, in contact all the way through that. And then uh, I was able to help in a little way for him to get the Wales job as well, uh, acting as a kind of go between, between uh, between him and the FAW, and then between to an extent between Sheffield United and the FAW. And uh, so when he got the job, it was like, oh, wow, mate. Yeah. And just as one, uh, as, a, as a mark of the class of the guy, after he got the job, he rang me and he said, are you coming down to Cardiff at all? And I was going down to do something or other with the FAW, I think. I said, yeah, he said, right, well, I'm down there. So he said, we're going out for a meal. I'm taking you out for a meal, um, just to say thanks. 
so we went out for a meal and he at, during the course of the meal uh, he, he you know poured another glass of wine and, and raised the glass and, and sort of che- gave me a cheers or whatever yeah uh, and that was you know that that's it's a little thing I guess but it, it was a massive thing because it was just acknowledgement and I you know I was really uh, I was that was great that it was a class act yeah yeah, that that I thought that really brought you know kind of really brought it home. So you're saying, Bryn, that he contacted you, you were in contact um, on the Saturday, so the time frame. Right, I don't know whether it was. I was know, working on a game. Hello. I was doing Leeds Barnsley, and at half time, because uh, obviously it was in November. At half time, a phone pinged with a text, and it was G Speed Mob, and it was uh, see the first snow of winter's just fallen in West Yorkshire, which was Gary's on. Ongoing joke about my the fact my barnet was white and his was still uh, sort of brown. So it was oh right okay good one mate. I sent him one back. Craig Davis was playing for Barnsley, mm. so I said uh, Davis had just had a good first half here or whatever. Didn't didn't get reply to that, but that was you know that was my reply to his to his little joke. And then uh, that the next morning or the next lunchtime rather, I was out with the kids and I got the call to say what would happen. So yeah, it was it was less than twenty four hours. Well, it was less than twenty four hours because it, uh, it happened that night, uh, and I was a, I was aware of it less than twenty four hours later, which so, was part of the shock, really. Yeah, I mean, for you to have that contact, you you have known Gary far better than I I did. You know, I got to know him uh, as my manager uh, in a in a fair few squads and. Um, he was always really good with yeah. me. You know, the number's still on my phone. Uh, you know, as yeah, happens yeah, yeah. when when people do pass away, how, how do you? You don't delete. You it, don't delete it. the number, do you? No. You no, know? I've still got it in mine. It's still in my phone as well. And you know, talking to various, uh, just just with Neil Taylor recently, and and saying he, he they had to go out and play that game. I think it was like oh, yeah, Sky yeah, Sports, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Against Swan, Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, just a crazy, crazy period, and you know, you just hope. Because everybody comes out and the, the gossip, and everyone wants the gossip. You you perhaps would have had the same as me. Do I know what happened? People are still asking that. You question just hope. Now. You just hope that the family knows. They'll have a a semblance of an idea. Yeah. You know, it's not for us to know. Yeah, no, well, nobody needs to know. That's what I've always said to people. You know, it's not really. It's not. And everybody seems to want to know. Mm. There's still. It is a question I get asked all the time. Still, why did he do it? And I have absolutely no idea. And exactly the same has been said by lots of people who know him, who knew him, you know, closer than, I wasn't in touch with him every single day of the week or anything. But there were people who were, who who say exactly the same thing. His parents have said exactly the same thing. So to me, nobody needs to know, you know, I don't know. Um, The only only reason for knowing would be if it helped somebody else not do the same thing. And if it was a, if there was a, if there was something that could be done medicinally or whatever that you could highlight then fair enough but in any other instance it's nobody else's business basically yeah so you t- touched on it there Bryn being a Wales supporter for a long long time how, how has that mix been in terms of work and I know sometimes the Wales away fans you know if you end up with them but end up them working and traveling because of work purposes you know they don't they don't see you as the same as them then do they yeah, well, uh, you you have to change. Obviously, I mean, I used to be three sheets to the wind during every game when I was going as a fan, and now I'm I'm very uh, now I'm very grown up about the whole thing. I save my drinking till after the game these days. But uh, so it, there is a change. You do step over a line, definitely. But I think the art to it is to tr- is to remember that my first Wales away trip was uh, fourteen or fifteen of us in a minibus from Roabun from the pub in Roabun, the Duke. And that was my first experience of going to watch Wales. Drove from Ruabon to Nuremberg and back again. And um, some mad stuff happened on that trip. And that's my, you know, that's, I've still got that. When I, if I'm going away, even if I'm going away working, I know that the lads who are going away, or the lads and lasses who are going away to watch the team, are hopefully having that same experience that I had then. Is, is there still some of the guys that you would have gone on that trip with? Yeah, 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 definitely. I, I bumped into in the square. I mean, obviously, I got to watch the Euros as a as a fan because Sky weren't covering it. Um, so, I, and I bumped into some of the lads who were on that trip in the square in Lille, just ahead of the uh, ahead of the Belgium game. So that was brilliant um, because that was a real rites of passage trip. That you know, all of us stuck in a in a minibus 
Yeah. I could write a book about that trip alone, to be honest with you. But I've done quite a few, you know, did a few since, and uh, there was always something happens on them. They're always an adventure. And and the great thing was that I do recognise um, a lot of the, the people who've been going all the way through the process. Yeah. There's loads of new fans travel with Wales now, which is fantastic. Um, but I do remember, and I have been on a couple of the trips when there were very few people travelling away with Wales. Yeah. And it was, it was you went because, you know, it was your duty to go. You, I don't think anybody went out of any great sense of anticipation in terms of the game they were about to see. It was because it was a thing you did. And you made your own fun. The yeah. game was going to be the worst bit of the experience, yeah, potentially. Yeah, I understand. It was the, all the other stuff that was going to be enjoyable. Um, and there's there's a lot of those the, the the top 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 moment of the whole thing for me has been Bosnia away, obviously for the, in terms of the outcome, but not just because Wales qualified that night, but also because I was in close proximity with the away supporters section, and there was only a small away support that night because Wales hadn't had many tickets. So what were there three or four hundred maybe in the in the away support section, and lots and lots of the faces that I recognise were in that section that night. So for Wales to qualify there was like their reward for me, uh, and you know I could see I could see quite a few of them in tears and all the rest of it, and that was fantastic that they were the ones who were there sharing it because they're the ones who kept the whole thing going really because there were times I mean even doing it for Sky, and I, it's the fourteenth year uh, that we'll be doing it. We're into our fifteenth year in September basically of the deal. Okay. The first one away was was uh, Latvia away in 2004 um, in all that time there have been periods where I've thought this is this is just a monumental waste of time takes me away from home for so weeks on end mm. the upside of it is yes alright I'm covering Wales the downside of it is Wales aren't very good and I've missed my daughter's birthday again and I think I've only been home for one. She's she's nineteen next birthday, and I think I've been home for one since she was five. She must she must have been born in September know, you, September yeah, the fourth. She was her up well, like, well, she was born whilst I was watching the highlights. This is not strictly true, but she was born whilst I was watching the highlights of Wales winning in Belarus when Ryan Giggs scored the winning goal with a header. Okay, I would, the highlights were on as as my wife was kind of going into labour, and I had half an eye on the telly above the bed, um, but. So she was born on the wrong date, frankly, because she was born in an international week. And so ever since has been difficult. So, but you, you have all these things in your head. Like it, it must, it, it's exactly the same, I'm sure, if not worse for players, where you suddenly do like a ready reckoning. What are the things that I've missed? What have I sacrificed here? Yeah. If As a player, you, you, I guess you can justify it, certainly with a club by saying, well, that's what that's my job. I've yeah. got to do it. In my instance, it was a bit more... I'd kind of volunteered for the Wales role because I wanted to do it because I was a Wales fan. So I went to Sky and said, listen, if we get the Wales deal, can I do it? And they got the deal and then said, do you want to do it? Yes, you can do it. So it'd been handed to me kind of thing, but I had gone and asked for it. And then I'm thinking, but we lose, We travel all over the place. I'm away from home weeks on end. We lose. John Toshak was difficult to deal with. So you didn't get any great sense of camaraderie out of the thing then. Players were tended to be glum because things weren't going particularly well. The whole, you know, the atmosphere around the squad was pretty negative, frankly, for a period. And I rang Gary on the way back from Macedonia, Montenegro, whichever one it was, Montenegro, after Wales had lost the first game of that qualifying section and Tosh had been difficult after the game and we'd flown back with the team and it was a bad atmosphere in the airport the next morning. And, um, and I rang Gary driving home from Cardiff back up to Leeds, another five-hour trek up there. I said, Gary, I think I'm. I think I'm going to cut the day on this. I'm retiring from international football because I'm just. It's no fun anymore. Mm. And he he said, No, no, stick with it, stick with it. And it was good advice as it turned out. Why Why do you think, Bryn? Um, you know, discussing the fans there, and they they travel, they use their. It's like any hobby. It costs you money, but this one to the extreme where it's more than a hobby. Well, a hobby normally, you know, you get a few highs, and I know they get it. You know, whether it's drinking. Why Why did it turn, do you think, in that period? Do you remember when um, Craig Bellamy did an interview afterwards and he was saying how nasty, you know, the, the support... Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, the way they were voicing their, you know... Well, I was, I was in San Marino when we won 2-1. That was, all, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, and I was in the away supporter section that night. 
And we were rubbish. I mean, two, we were hanging on against San Marino by the end. Um, I, I'd been to San Marino as a fan when Bobby Gould was in charge, and we, we even under Bobby Gould, we won there easily. Yeah. But this was, how is this happening? How, how are we only just beating San Marino? And I think that it was that negativity around the group, because we were doing some Sky games when I went to that one, but we weren't doing that particular game. So I'd been working on matches, and then, and then I'd gone to watch that one as a fan in the midst of it. So I'd seen, I, I knew what the atmosphere was like in the group, and then I found out what the atmosphere was like in the away section as well, and it was all bad. Just the tip, it was like the tipping point, the, the final straw, if you like. I think that game was after um, the defeat in Cyprus, where Tosh had yes. been on a rant to yeah, the players. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember the into Bellamy, and I think it was Joe Ledley had scored his first international goal. And Joe was obviously there with him, ready to maybe talk about his goal. And Bellas has just gone on this rant and then just left Joe by himself. But it was just everyone, that negativity. Yeah, yeah I, I mean... Craig had his moments on that basis as well. I mean, I did an interview with him after the the home defeat by Finland. Yeah, and that's quite that's quite a famous interview that one because he laid into his own team after mm. that interview, and then the the Finnish subsequently used the interview because he rubbished them, saying, "How how do we get beaten by them?" Did he say on tape about was it Johansson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, he scored. How how does he score? Yeah. Or, or something like. You know, it was it was it was pretty strong stuff, and a, you know, it was it was a. A real eye-opening interview for me. It stands out in all the interviews because you just never hear players talking, having to go at their own team and the opposition, or even individuals in the opposition like that. Were you thinking as he was talking, "Oh God, this is different"? How yeah, are yeah. you going to react? What's your next question? Are well, you going to load the gun even further? I didn't need to because Craig, you know, you don't need to load the gun with Craig. He fires all his own bullets, and uh, uh, yeah, that was that was it. The funny thing with that interview is that. I, after it finished, I got loads of mates who were watching it on the telly, and I'm getting text messages pinging up saying, "Great interview, you know, really honest and all the rest of it." Because they'd watched a rubbish Wales performance, yeah. and they wanted to hear something like that. I'm told Craig went back in the dressing room and got pelters off his teammates saying, "What the hell did he say all that for?" Right. So there's the different reaction. You know, the fans were looking for one thing; his teammates were looking for something else. So Craig's presence was was um, that was an interesting part of the dynamic I think at that time because he was outspoken and he would come out with stuff that you would you wouldn't anticipate. He was difficult when he was captain briefly for us because we have a contractual uh, right as it were to, to interview the captain the manager in the build up to the game so the day before it's part of the routine um, so we'd have Tosh and then we'd have whoever the captain was and Craig was captain in before that game in, in um, Montenegro and refused to do the interview why? Don't know. Doesn't want to do it. One one of the most difficult players to. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know whether he listen to this or not, but I'll I'll tell him as well. He was one of the most difficult players that I ever dealt with, right up there. Um, yeah, I mean, interestingly di- difficult because yeah, yeah, not, he, not... You know, he, he was a provider of good material. Yeah, you know, he'd be the one when you get a call back from Sky saying, "Oh, that was good stuff." The problem was that quite often, often a lot of the stuff he said, they were like, you know, the, the splinters showered everywhere and I'd get grief from clubs saying, why was he doing saying that in the interview? I mean, there was one one with Man City where he said in, in the stuff I was doing with him that he hadn't spoken to Roberto Mancini for months. And obviously Sky, that goes back to Sky Sports News and there you go, wow, you know, Craig Bellamy hasn't spoken to the Man City manager, he's been snubbed by the Man City manager. So they put that out loads. And then Man City were unhappy. Why is he doing this stuff on international duty? Um, and then the next day I saw Craig at the, at the ground for the game and he went, oh, not very happy with you. All that stuff that you put out about Man City. So like, Craig, you said it. Yeah. You said it. All I did was sit and, and we recorded it. You know, So it was as if he wasn't expecting that Sky were going to just put it on the old you know, the 24-7 loop kind of thing. So yeah, there were tricky times. There's got, to, there's got to be an element of feeling sorry for him, Bryn. You know, in terms of the player that he was, and he was stuck in, in that in, squad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and in fairness to him, what he did do very well was stick with it. Mm. And I was really pleased that that last game he played was Belgium away. I think that was in it? the squad. Yeah, yeah and, and he got the uh, did he score the equalising goal? Think, Aaron scored. He set yeah, it up, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, and I was actually pleased that that's how he went out because that result was actually, uh, uh, you know, was a me- that was a big result that draw in Belgium. Yeah. Because that was the first time for Cookie where he thought, 
well, that's something here because it was a it was a makeshift squad. Absolutely. And yet there was a you know they they got a great result. It was Belgium's night. They'd qualified and all the rest of it, but they got a great result against the odds there. And there was there was just the germ of something that that you thought oh maybe there is something they can build on here. Yeah. So it was a big night that, and, and so he played his part and he did stick with it. You know some of the best Wales performances in that period, like Slovakia away when we won five two, he was brilliant that night. Um, so some of the better the better Wales performances in that period revolved around his input. But yeah, it must have been frustrating for him. He was an outstanding player. He really was. Like you noticed in training, he was the standard. Obviously, Bale went on to become what he became, and um, just the way that he trained, the intensity. Yeah. And I know after he retired, there was an opinion, you know, that it took for Craig to retire for other people to almost step out of themselves and become leaders in the dressing room. Yeah. Which which probably happened, but he, uh, I do genuinely believe that he helped as well in terms of pushing. Even not a fear factor because he, he was always very, very much opinionated. He wouldn't just hammer people for the sake yeah, of it. Yeah. It was just standards. Was if you yeah. dropped underneath his standards, so if he knew that play, a player like myself, Steve Evans, are in the squad with, with him, uh, there's, there's loads of names I can reel off. Not on the same level to what yeah. he's used to, but he would never hammer us for a lack of quality. Yeah, yeah. It was just a standard. If you didn't run hard enough, you know, that, that would be when he could explode. And I, I accept that. There's, there's no problem with that, is there? I think, I, I, I mean, you know better than I do, but I would suggest maybe you can do that more at a club than you can, can do in an international squad. But, but what I'm trying to say, Britt, it wouldn't be, maybe he wouldn't shout at me. It would be one of the uh, better players in the squad yeah. who he sees as maybe tossing it off and they would get the brunt yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's okay. Well, uh, we needed quality in the squad at that point as well because if you took Craig out of it there wasn't an awful lot present company excluded obviously but there wasn't an awful lot of, of standout quality there were, no. what there wasn't in the squad at that time were any uh, international players yeah. you know those who are proper playing on that level in tech, there were pl- lots of the players were playing because you know they were selected if you like yeah they were because they, they, yeah, yeah. they were eligible a lot of the players were playing at that time. And Craig was the one who'd say, well, he'd get in other squads, yeah. other other national team squads Craig would play for. Um, so the fact that he kept coming was at least, you know, that some faith was being... Because I, all I could see from, from my side was players not enjoying it and, mm. and lots of them dropping out because they weren't enjoying it. I mean, it's, it's a testimony. Craig might have had a, uh, played a part in this. You know that some of the lads like Chris Gunts and, and and Gareth, you know, actually stuck with it through that period as well. Yeah. Didn't throw the towel in, and obviously we've seen the benefits. The, the benefits have been seen dramatically since. So I suppose you did need you needed characters involved in it, but you'd lost. A, you'd had a squad. He'd been in a squad with the likes of Gary Speed and John Hartson, big Robbie Savage, big big voices like that. Mm. And now he was in, a, I would imagine, a fairly quiet dressing room in yeah. comparison. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it must have been interesting. I can only imagine it must have been interesting. I've said it before. I loved almost if he shouted at me because I wasn't the young kid, because I wasn't a young boy. I was, you know, early to mid-20s. Yeah. I was sharing a room with Ashley Williams, um, a handful of close mates, similar age. We almost enjoyed it if he did shout at us. Because we'd go back to the room, we'd have a laugh about it. It wouldn't destroy yeah, us. Yeah. So it was a brought you together. Yeah. Whereas I guess some of the young players, it could have a, a negative impact. Um, whereas we just, you know, we still, when we get together, we talk about the time Bella's maybe screamed at me because I did something yeah. wrong. Um, we, we didn't have a real problem with it. But you, you're talking there about throwing the towel in. Do you think Sky ever considered throwing the towel in? There must have been. Why? Why have they carried <laughs> on? Is it purely because we have to cover all the? International no, they, teams. Uh, um, well, they, I mean, they, they don't. There's no obligation on them to do that. I think they. I don't know why they kept. There's a. Uh, there were times when we've looked at it, uh, and me and my pal Alex have done. You know, the cameraman Alex Gage, who's yeah, yeah. The two, the two of us have worked on it. We're the only two people. Barry Horn as well. Sorry, Barry's been co-com all the way through that period, and and me and Alex have been on the ground all the way through that period. So we've become very close, obviously, but. There were a lot of times where we looked at each other and thought at the end of another campaign, looked at each other, there's no way they're going to go for this again. Yeah. Because we've spent, 
you know, we used to do, uh, it's a brave new, you'd get two games into a qualification campaign and Wales would have drawn the first or lost the first, probably lost the first, drawn the second at home and already writing's on the wall. Yeah. Um, that happened in the very first campaign we did, Azerbaijan away, draw, Northern Ireland at home, draw, they think it's over, it's not going to happen. So we got to that stage very early on in pretty much every campaign and they were, so they're never in the hunt for anything, not really. So you'd, you'd start off with, well, there's a new dawn, you know, after two games, we were talking about a new, a new era is about to dawn for Welsh football. And then four games later, well, what do we do now? Because we've done new era. Yeah. <laughs> well, we started with hope. Now we're on new era. What's the next one we go for? And you think, can't keep doing this. Or well, that was part of the problem. You know, Sky's about hyping games. Yeah. You know, Sky's a commercial thing that wants people to watch the product. So you've got to sell the product. And, and selling the product was becoming nigh on impossible because we were going back for the same old tired lines time after time after time. The public had given up on it. You could see that because, you know, we got a Flan Ashley and there'd be 2,000 people or whatever sitting inside the stadium. Yeah. And, you, and you'd look around and think, everybody's given up on this. It's, it, it, you know, it's all, nobody wants this anymore. And then there was the talk about should Wales even have a team? And we were covering it all through this period. Yeah. So why, yeah, from a commercial imperative, I don't know why Sky stuck with it, but then I suppose we all ultimately got our reward with the, with the, we were there when the qualification finally happened. Is there a part of you that actually is glad that Sky hasn't got the rights to uh, the competition itself, the Euros, that you could go out there as a fan? Oh, I'd have loved to work on that. Oh, really? Oh, can you imagine those circumstances? It would have been amazing. So you would have preferred to... Oh, why, I though? Really, because, yeah, I wouldn't say I'd prefer. It, it, it doesn't... <laughs> but it would have been great. Obviously. Because it's like handing over something, you know. You, you, it's like yeah. it's like you nurture the child and then, and then somebody else, else steps in and says... Like you've been a surrogate parent, and then you go to somebody else. Right there, you go take it on now. So I did. Oh, I didn't because I was watching the. I was in the stadium for all the games, so I wasn't seeing it, but I was seeing the aftermath. And there was a little bit uh, of me that was thinking, you know, should be me in the tunnel there, really. But if it, if I couldn't be in the tunnel with the guys, having had the proximity of working, you know, so close to it all for so many years, at the point where it goes to some it belongs to somebody else, and the Euros belong to somebody else, or the World Cup belongs to somebody else. It would have been difficult. That's what I thought to myself. What I, I, I want to do the whole thing. I want to work on the tournament, as in do what I do for Sky. Yeah. Or I don't really want the halfway house, which was from Sky's perspective is it, you know you're not rights holders, so you don't you get very little access. So it'd just be you on the beach reporting for. Yeah, the you, day. I mean, you, you know, you're not even allowed to report from the footprint of the stadium, the geographical footprint of the stadium on the day of the game. Um, you don't get any access to players in the tunnel. It's all mixed zone stuff, so you're waiting a big crowd of people. You, you don't get into the press conference the day before the game. There were lots of things that, that I'm used to getting. I'm used to getting what you might describe as kind of access all areas to an extent. You know, We do hotel interviews with the players and stuff like that. So to go from that to, to something, not even a halfway house even, I didn't really want that. I didn't want to be at a distance from it all. So the next clear winner for me was to go and watch it as a fan again. So it was more than not just, well, it wasn't at all watching the game from the telly because you were there, but not just seeing the game on the BBC or S4C. It was seeing the interviews at the hotel, in the tunnel. That's your, yeah, that's your that's, meat and drink. That's your bread and butter. That, that's what we've done for, for 14 years. And obviously, would, would you look at that and think, I wouldn't have asked that? I would have oh, asked yeah, this absolutely. Then. Yeah, definitely. I was doing that with the World Cup as well. But I know how it, you know, I know how the access works, um, and uh, yeah, you, you you naturally look at it and do that. Uh, and there's one fantastic, the the, the best bit of of um, reportage or whatever you describe it as at the Euros, I thought was the Chris Coleman interview after the the Belgium game with Dan Walker, and because um, you know only afterwards did we find that there'd been some issues on that basis and on access to to Chris. Yeah. Which obviously I, w- I don't think I, I wouldn't have encountered because I was gotten really well with him. But but yeah, that, there was a brilliant interview that, that Chris gave with Dan Walker. I, w- I would love to have done that interview. I mean, it it wasn't really it was a good interview by Dan Walker. It was it was a really nice tone to it. Um, I think he starts off by saying Christopher Coleman or something that you know could you ever have imagined? It was a lovely piece of TV and it was a brilliant rallying cry from from Cookie in it or the, the way he summed it up was brilliant. So I'd like to have been involved in that because I use that with the media training stuff that I do with the FAW now as an example of, you know, a standout piece of of um, somebody saying something in an interview that's com- different from the norm. 
So that, yeah, it was great to see that, but I was far happier dancing around like an idiot somewhere up in the distance, completely unaware that that was going on, you know, hugging yeah. people or whatever. So for you now, you work for Sky. Would you not have been able to, you've got a contract with Sky, you couldn't uh, be almost self-employed and, and branch out and, and no. do, you can't do bits for other people? No, well, I'm, I'm a member of staff, so not really, no. Um, Is that something that you, you would consider? Yeah, what at some point we st- I've done twenty years with Sky this this summer in, in the next fortnight I think it, the twenty year mark comes up, so they might have an input into, into that some at some stage as well. You know, you never the one thing you never do with Sky is rest on your laurels. Literally. And, it, and it's changing. You know, I've I've been on the coaching courses where you've come in. Uh, we can get into it uh, about how the industry is changing. Absolutely. So you've you, you've seen it coming for for a good yeah, few years. Yeah, yeah, and, and ultimately. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been really a good number Sky Sports, but the way that the industry is moving suggests that there might be a different model coming up in future. You know, maybe people will be well, people will be viewing their their television, their football, and all the rest of it in different ways. We know that we've seen it already. So Sky in the background will be preparing and adapting and and getting themselves ready to make a transition. But there are other players coming in the game. So Amazon have done the Premier League deal for the first time. Um, that's their toe very much in the water now. They want they've, to, they've, they've done a deal. They've done they? a deal, yes. Yeah. So they've got 20, I think it's 20 Premier League games as of the season after next. So they're in there now. Um, and that's, I think, the anticipated way that this is going to open up. There's going to be lots more media players come into it. So, you know, my, my life is dictated by contracts. I used to do women's football commentating for Sky as part of my as part of my job, and then Sky didn't have the women's football con- contract anymore, so you don't do any more commentary. So you could have been, you know, if we if we if Sky didn't have the Wales contract, then all of a sudden after fourteen years, I'm not doing it. That's what Ian Gwynne Hughes, the, the head of media at the FAW, he experienced that. The BBC, I think, had done it for fifteen years, and he'd done most of the games to the BBC, and then overnight they lost the deal, and that was the end of that. Yeah, have Sky moved with the times though, Bryn? I'm, obviously there'll be discussions on how to do it but from the outside looking in and you you read about how Blockbuster were offered uh, as a company to stream services online decided no our product is good enough Blockbuster now thing of the past Netflix you know yeah, yeah. you have to move with the times whereas Netflix and Amazon are now becoming such a powerhouse and you look at the prices you have to pay for your Sky Netflix is like a tenner I'm sure it'd go up if they have live sports yeah is Sky, and I know it's trying. You, you yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll change. They'll change. I mean, the people who are Sky must be clever people because they, they, the country, the, the company came from nothing. Um, you know, ahead of that twenty years that I've done now, but in that time they also built up a thing called Sky Sports News. In that twenty years, which is has become like a staple product, has been that changed the shape of the of the sports reporting industry mm. that 24 7 rolling sports news it was like even when i started doing it, i thought this is never going to work but it's still there doing it and it's changed what the way everybody else operates as well so um sky is a platform as well it's two things sky it makes it provides the content and it provides the platform for the content okay as well as inviting other people to put their content on it as well so it has two facets still so it is not just one or the other whereas um so the others are kind of playing to an extent of uh, set up as diff- something different, but I think Sky Sky will adapt. But there are big big players in the game again. You know, um, once there was just the BBC, and then there was the BBC and ITV, and you know, and then there was Channel Four, and then there was Channel Five, and every one of those knocks a little bit of what the BBC had previously been, mm-hmm. and that's been you know we've had a few quiet years maybe on that basis, but now you're seeing new players who are bringing new formats. The technology's changing, so you wouldn't predict where we're gonna be at in the next five years. Um, it, would be, it would be pretty tricky to do that, but I think you, Sky will be ready to for the change, you know, should it come. One thing I know you are a big fan of is uh, ex-players doing interviews. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one that's yeah, big put... thing you, you've got to deal with. Oh yeah, more and more and more. You know, I've I've kind of reconciled myself to the fact that I'm the reporter and you're asking me the questions. But, um, but you're doing all right so far, to be fair. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that we've seen that. I've seen that come in. You know, I, I used to have uh, Norman Hunter alongside me as my co-commentator on Radio Leeds, or Peter Loring, or Eddie Gray, or or Billy Bremner, 
work with all those guys, fantastic. And and to sit and listen to them talk about football was an absolute privilege. And I learned so much listening to them talk about football. Still, so many of the phrases that they use in my head. And um, but that was a that was the role for the ex-player at that time, pundit or co-commentator. Yeah. So expertise <laughs> and and the, the sort of knowledge of having been involved in it. That's changed an awful lot now. So, uh, I mean, I, I think um, Adrian Charles is a big mate of mine and Adrian's a West Bromwich Albion season ticket holder and has been for donkey's years. Absolute mad keen West Brom fan. And I was very disappointed when Adrian wasn't doing football anymore because for me, I know he's a proper fan. Yeah. Because I've been with him to games. He's come with me to watch Wrexham. I've been with him to watch. We've stood on the Brummy Road end and watched West Brom together. Mm. He is a proper fan. And I still think there's a big place for for people who are just fans, use that term guardedly, but just fans, sitting in a studio asking questions as a fan. Yeah. Because the problem for me, if you ask a question of another pro or Gary Lineker asks a question of another pro, I know that he already knows the answer. Yeah. I could as easily be asking the question of him. So you'd never get that outside view. You don't get that. You know, that's what I was saying about the Craig Bellamy thing to an extent. You know, what what do the what does a fan think about this? Um, and Adrian occasionally got castigated for doing it on ITV. But I think it's disappointing that there isn't a place currently. I can't, I can't point to a presenter currently who you'd say definitely. You might say he's a fan of football. Yeah. But that's very different from being a football fan. So know? that, you know, Gary Lineker, your, your judgment of, of him would be... It's it's a loaded question. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and, and also I think his skill, if you like, what people often say they like about uh, Gary Lineker is sometimes if he actually gives his opinion as well because yeah. he's he's got that information. But you've got, you've got if you've got Gary plus two or three pundits, four people who are all who all know what's going on. If you like, you haven't got one person in the room. There's not one voice in the room to represent you to, as a fan. Yeah, to say why has he done that? I don't get it. Um, I don't understand that, or is that good? You know, and I think somebody like Adrian used to do that. I'd say there's another somebody who does do that is Jeff Stelling, who's beyond any in terms of his ability, as far as I'm concerned. Working on his show yeah. is just one of the best privileges I've I've had in this career because he's brilliant, but he still goes to watch Hartlepool United, and now the poor fellow's involved more heavily in, in in Hartlepool United. But I've talked with him about football, and Jeff is a fan. You know, he's a fan of Hartlepool. It's in his blood. Yeah. So he will always have the ability to, to ask a question from that perspective. And, and the further you move away from the fans, I think you, know, you, you might... It, it's, it's, it's a shame if that happens. I think you need that authentic voice sometimes. It's, it's that balance, isn't it? Because I understand why people do it. Obviously, I've done interviews with people. Um, I'm mainly doing it... I'm, trying to create a little pathway for myself that's why I'm doing yeah. this um, as opposed to uh, someone is employing me someone's paying me a shitload of money so they have to justify that money so use me to do various things which might be happening um, in other places but it's like that balance of being able to ask questions get them maybe more comfortable is is yeah. the terminology people would use with the next team, I mean, isn't it? Yeah, that that I mean, I've seen that with Thierry when he was working working for Sky, and they sent Thierry to do an interview with a, with a big player because I think well, they, they obviously the the producer would feel that Thierry has got a much better chance of getting the interview, frankly, because the player will feel, oh, I know Thierry, yeah, I'd like to sit down. If he says to him, I'm sending Bryn Law up to do it, the player goes, who's he? Or, sh- or does the interview but shuts down? Well, yeah, or thinks he's a reporter, so I'm going to have to be. My the only thing I'd say about that is that. Um, is that um, that can be too cosy then because mm-hmm. Thierry comes up and, and he spends a lot of time that you know they reminisce uh, or Thierry doesn't want to upset the guy because he's his mate yeah. or, or that's the relationship so I'm not convinced that you get an awful lot out of, of those the others like Chris Sutton who've been quite combative uh, I don't know whether they send Chris Sutton out to interviews but there are others who are, who are less inclined to sort of um, be everybody's friend I mean, I want to get on with people, but I have a job to do when all's said and done. So I have to ask, at some point, I have to ask the question, whatever it might be. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because you're naming two there. Henri, who, as you said, might be real comfortable. The players enjoying doing an interview with Thierry Henri. Yeah, yeah. And then Chris Sutton, who's probably gone 
Not too far. He's, yeah, he, he's, he's gone the other way. He's gone yeah. the complete opposite, hasn't he? But it's all, it's all people, in a sense, trying to carve a niche for themselves yeah. in a new career. Yeah. So Chris has thought to himself, "There's too much coziness around here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a hand grenade in." You know, and Thierry's thinking, "Well, I just want to have a quick chat with my mate, basically." You know, was, was Sutton always like that? Do you know? I, 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 he was. I remember him being tricky to deal with as a player, and that he didn't do much. And that's the other thing, occasionally, that slightly annoys me, is that uh, there are there are some pros now making a living from the media who were never that good to work with when when you were a never member willing of, to when you were a member of the media. So if you know. If there was somebody who I always, my go-to player, if there was a Gary Speed, you'd say, well, he's earned the right now because when he helped me out when I was in trouble. Yeah. So there's every right that he was good for the media because he, he understood the, the, the pressures and he would come and do and help you out. So it's absolutely right that he's now doing stuff in the media. That isn't the case with everybody currently doing stuff in the media. Um, so I prefer that if you put it in, you take, you get, you earn the right to take it out. But um but other people obviously have different ideas. So what is next for Brynlaw then, before we uh, <laughs> before we head off in the car, ready for this game? Well, after the game, uh, which will again prove that I made the right decision in talking about football rather than playing it, I'm sure. Um, after that, I've no idea. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I've started doing quite a lot of work with the FAW in that uh, we do the, the Pro and the A licence, the UEFA coaching courses. And I come from a family of parents. Uh, sorry, family of parents. I come from, uh, both my parents were teachers. So, and our grandparents were teachers as well. So that goes some way back in the family. And I, I really enjoy the experience of standing in front of a group. You've been in, I think you've been in at least one or two of them, of sort of talking to people about the things I've learnt in a way, and hopefully sharing that information in a way that's useful for the people listening. So I enjoy the, the media, uh, the media module, the media modules that I do with the FAW coaching courses an awful lot. I get a lot out of that now. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know, uh, maybe the, um, in future more of that. But if if I was able to just carry on watching football matches, and somebody would pay me to do it, I'll keep on doing that as probably as long as I can. Mate, no interest to get back in the commentary. Uh, well, I suppose I've got I've currently got the best of both worlds because Soccer Saturday is as close to being a commentator without being a commentator uh, as you can get, and it and it knits a lot of skills because it's live. Yeah. You have to present two cameras, so you can't refer to notes ever, uh, and it's um, and it's like commentary because it, quite often things even happen while you're talking, but you're reporting the things that are happening now. So it does actually marry quite a lot of the skills from the reporter um, skill set, the commentator skill set. It brings them all together quite well. So I, I really, really enjoy doing that. Um, I get a real buzz out of that. Uh, so. Yeah, radio commentaries. I, I've done quite a lot of television commentary. I did quite a lot for Sky for a while, uh, including Wales games and and Premier League and stuff. So some quite big stuff, and I never got as much. Uh, I didn't enjoy it as much as I used to enjoy radio commentary. Radio commentary, to my mind, is more fun mm. because nobody can see what you're talking about. So TV commentary is almost pointless in a way because everybody can see it anyway. Yeah. So what are you there? I, I, I never quite worked out my own head. Others have, but I've never quite worked out my own head. What are you there for? Yeah. What really is your role here? A place to B, place to C, or whatever. With radio commentary, you get the chance to tell the whole story. You say, "I can see everything," and I'm going to tell you what I can see, yeah. and what I feel, and what I hear, and all the rest of it. So I, I, uh, enjoy. Maybe radio commentary would be would be one that further down the line I'd return to. We shall see. Anything else to plug? <laughs> nothing. I'm not selling anything at the moment. Nothing now? No, no. No, no books, nothing. No, no previous books are still available? Well, yeah, the books are still available, yeah. Zombie Nation Awakes. What was the other one called? Don't Take Me Home, that was it. We are both great fun uh, writing both of those. And to have, to be able to say that I've written a book, was, was, um, that was one thing that was kind of on the bucket list, if you like. So to have done two now is, is, is good. And they both sold okay, so. Yeah, they're still out there. Check them out. Beautiful. Bryn, it's been a pleasure catching up. No problem. It's time to get on the pitch. Yeah, now let's figure go do out it. Let's what, go win this game for why, Wrexham. Why we've been invited to this game <laughs> to come and get in the team. Thanks, mate. There we have it. Bryn Law, ladies and gentlemen. One of the finest sports and football reporters around. Huge thank you to him for his time. Huge thank you to his parents for giving us um, their conservatory to have the conversation 
few ham sandwiches as well afterwards. Gives a bit of energy. A little pre-match meal before we headed off for a charity game. There's loads we could have uh, discussed uh, with Bryn. Huge music fan. His love for Wrexham, we could have gone deep into that. Uh, maybe for another time. But thank you, Bryn, for your time. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, the usual. Uh, leave a review, subscribe, tell a friend. Um, let's make sure that this long man army continues to grow. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I am out.